0: Welcome to Offscreen Let's Get Cinematic, on your couch, obviously. Uh, I'm Bex Perfect.
1: I'm Van Conner, and, well, more cinematic fun as always this week. In fact, both of our films this week are actually in cinemas, I think, both of our new releases.
0: They are, but the question is, is do you actually want to go to the cinema
1: (laughs) right now? Films are in cinemas, but are the audiences necessarily? And I would argue these aren't really, like, too high profile enough releases this week to really entice people straight back into into cinema.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that these don't have a streaming option as well for them. Um, they may well do in time, maybe.
1: Interestingly enough, both are currently streamable in the US. One of them freely as well. Really? So we start with, uh, with super intelligence?
0: Yeah, okay. So um, this is a, a movie that stars the ever-lifable Melissa McCarthy. Um, she plays a character called Carol, who um, is probably one of your most average people in the world. <laughs> she kind of has multiple jobs, she kind of gets up, she lives on her own, she hasn't really got a partner, she's after the next job. Nothing exciting about her, but a powerful AI machine decides to pick on her to become something for it to study, to understand what happens in the world. And there's a bigger kind of concept at at bay with with this particular AI machine. And obviously it leads to something much more sinister, shall we say, but maybe it's up to Carol to see whether or not she can save the
1: world. Carol, I am a technological superintelligence. I can control every dollar and every machine on the planet. I know that voice. Is this James Corden? I'm not James Corden, Carol. My analysis showed that hearing James Corden's voice would calm you. You sent an email to James Corden claiming to be the president of Corden's Wardens. That was a tough night for me. Oh, boy.
0: I was always thinking if the end of the world through super intelligence was near, it would be coming in the voice of James Corden.
1: (laughs) I think the end of the world is brought about by, do you know what, fair enough. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. Because he's in everything else. Why not?
0: Oh, He really is. I'm really sick of the same James Corden voice on everything.
1: Do you know what what voice I miss? I miss the voice of Stephen Fry when he narrated everything. When he was cast as the narrator of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in 2005, I was overjoyed Mm. because it was just the best casting in the world. Yeah. The trailer that he actually narrates the mechanics of the movie trailer for that um, is still one of the all-timers. But no, not, not James Corden, obviously.
0: Oh, it's just, anyway, look, I'm going to put my, my sentiments towards James Corden. So I think the issue that I've got with him <laughs> is that I know every little, like he was in prom, the prom last week on Netflix and, you mm. know, we covered and things. And it was just like, he is just playing him. It's the easiest money anyone could ever earn. And I can just only imagine how much he's taking away from all this, which is really
1: frustrating. Well, I mean, you can argue that that's the case with so many of our, uh, you know, our regular performers now. I mean, does Kevin Hart really ever actually play a character anymore or does he just simply show up and play whichever archetypical take on Kevin Hart we're doing that week? Which trope are we adding to Kevin Hart's routine this week? Um, Samuel L. Jackson's been accused of the same thing uh, for years as well. Look at Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum always gets played to play that specific Yeah.
0: But the thing is, Van, everyone you've mentioned...
1: Is good. <laughs> I was just going to say, what I've mentioned is not James Corden. Yeah. Um, my thing with it, I, I just mostly thought the film was completely average. The fact that it is James Corden kind of tells you the level we're aiming at. Yeah,
0: which
1: yeah. Is James Corden himself as an entertainer is kind of so basic he fits perfectly with the actual quality marker of how by the numbers predictable and basic super intelligence turns out to be even the uh, the the supporting character FBI agents or NSA agents who are uh, sort of surveilling Carol as she's being sort of toyed with by this AI um, they're played by I think it's Sam Richardson and uh, Ben Falcone Mm. who's also the Co-producer, co-writer, and you know, oh, and co-marital partner to uh, 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 Melissa McCarthy. But even their casting as the, the the government agents in the van just feels so basic. And by the numbers, like, well, of course, those two of them. Uh, yeah. If I told you I've got a basic movie, it's about this. There's two FBI agents tailing it. Who plays the FBI agents You'd probably say, "I'll oh, get me that guy from that thing and that guy from that thing, and you know, one of the things will be bridesmaids."
0: Yeah, and the thing is, is that the actual concept, both you and I, were quite excited about. You know, the idea of artificial intelligence, you know, yeah. and and sort of learning and then dictating like. This is, this is kind of like, had it, had it moved into more developed territory, could be something, firstly, it could have been something way funnier. And yes. and, set, and you, you associate that with Melissa McCarthy. You think you kind of know what you're going to get, but you're expecting a level up even from this.
1: I wonder if, because this went straight to Hulu in the US, and I think it might have been originally developed as a theatrical vehicle and then was retooled in development as something for Hulu, I think. I've not got exactly got confirmation on that. But I have a strange uh, feeling that that is the motivation behind why, weirdly, it's rated PG, mm. which is not an area that we typically see Melissa McCarthy yeah. in. Yeah, unless it's a family film, and I wouldn't describe this as necessarily a family film.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's. I'd also not describe it as a film necessarily that I would stay awake in because I. I didn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's the beauty of the beauty of watching our movies on the couch now, Bex, when we get linked to these things.
0: Oh yeah. I mean look, this is when we say it's basic, it's actually not just basic, it's quite repetitive as a movie. So the jokes are quite early on and then it's the same thing again and again and again. And unfortunately, even Melissa McCarthy can't keep the momentum and the energy level up on this, and James Corden's voice—if it grates on you—is gonna like you're gonna do whatever you can to not watch it. It's 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 a real shame.
1: That's it. I mean, I I don't think it's any worse than just basic and average. Uh, I don't think it's offensively bad. No. Like that. I, I, no, because it's it's competently made. There's a couple of little gags that'll get you a sort of basic chuckle. <laughs> neat, neat, yeah. Um, obviously, the concept is a corker. Yes. You know, the concept's so good. But the problem is that, con- that is also, the problem's also that that concept is so good. It's the most I've been let down by an AI movie since uh, what was the Johnny Depp one where he's in the machine? Uh,
0: Trans- oh, Transcendence, where he's the big brain. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the most I've been let down by a tech movie since transcendence before that thing was black hat
0: yeah yeah no I'm with you and this is supposed to be one that probably would have made the masses understand AI a little bit better it takes it away from being something that the geeks would get really sort of techy about so it is a shame great cast apart from James Gordon um, and like competent cast it just doesn't fly and that's the real shame of this
1: right we haven't gotten awful we've overrun for time on this but I can't let it possibly pass without uh, without dropping in this little nugget about super intelligence and this is something that just absolutely blew my First of all, there's a sequence in the movie in which uh, Bobby Cannavale and Melissa McCarthy have a sort of post-date snack at his house and he makes a grilled cheese sandwich. The, ca- the scene literally opens on him grilling this grilled cheese sandwich and uh, he then takes the grilled cheese sandwich, which has been cooked to absolute perfection. He, uh, he portions it out onto, onto two plates after having cut it in half. He hands her half of the grilled cheese sandwich and sits and eats half of it himself, which he neatly devours in, I think, three bites. Right. The fact that I remember this, and I remember how weird it is that he didn't just cook two grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. The fact that that is the takeaway from Superintelligence, an AI sci-fi comedy from Melissa McCarthy and her husband, that is mind-blowing in 2020. I love- that is absolutely astonishing to me.
0: I love that that is mind-blowing, and not the fact that he ate it in three bites is mind-blowing. It's
1: a very tiny slice of bread. Either very tiny or he has a large head.
0: Either or, that's still astounding. But I definitely want a cheese toastie right now.
1: <laughs> definitely. So um, from a from movie that uh, sent you to sleep then to one that's kind of named for it then, should we talk about Dreamland? Have you seen Dreamland?
0: Yes, I have seen Dreamland. So this is Margot Robbie and not Joe Cole. Who, was, who is...
1: Finn Cole. Finn Cole.
0: Yeah, Cole. yeah. It's, um, it's a movie that's kind of based in... Oh, where, where in the states is this? It's like it's kind of like a small it's town, sandy. small, very sandy town.
1: <laughs> it's a dust belt region. It's the Dust Belt region, which is sort of a nexal point between, I think, five different states. This, I think, is Kentucky.
0: Yeah, so this is like a town that hasn't got a lot going for it. Um, it's set in like the 40s or late 30s, like after the Great Depression. Um, and this teenager played by Finn Cole is essentially not sure what he's gonna do with his life. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, an outlaw, a female outlaw comes hiding in his barn in the form of the stunningly gorgeous Margot Robbie. And obviously his life is set after that when she convinces him that she actually is more innocent than she let herself be known to be. And uh, yeah, and he kind of, well, falls in
1: love. Okay, I'll tell you if you promise me, you ain't gonna go in there and look for yourself. I don't want Mama and George going in there until I clean it up. Clean up what? You promise? Yeah, tell me. Two dead dogs. Lying there with their blood and their guts all in the dirt. Flies all around. Dogs? Or well, whose dogs? Nobody's. The Blue Yonders. What killed them? Coyotes or something? How should I know? That's sad. That's life. Now, that's Finn Cole there, as you, as you point mm. out, Joe Cole's brother. And uh, he's perfectly fine in this. I, I wouldn't describe him as, as, as especially impressive. I think he's perfectly fine. But then again, I think the same of Margot Robbie as well. Now, obviously, you and I know that Margot Robbie can be absolutely mind-blowingly good. Mm. You know, recently, like Bombshell, for instance, in yeah. which she can absolutely devastate you. And the problem is that as well made as the film is, and as much as they themselves are trying, I think the story and the script has let them down incredibly.
0: Yeah, it's not got the pizzazz, like a Bonnie and Clyde feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, It lacks that kind of element uh, that that would elevate this movie. Look, I think it looks stunning. I think there's this weird, although it's completely factual, the fact that they wear these goggles and these like um, face masks to protect them from the sandstorms makes it almost feel a bit Mad Mad uh, Mad Max esque in a way. It's a bit steampunk for you. Yeah, it is a bit steampunk, and um, I think the acting is, you know, like the accents, everything like that is on point. Everything is working like clockwork, like it should be. But there's a difference between a good movie and a great movie and this sits very much at just a good movie.
1: This feels to me a lot of the I mean a lot of the time through it that I just had this overbearing way of of feeling like a script that had gone through uh, it'd gone through the actual story draft, it had then gone to the actors who were like, Okay, let's let's do this monologue and this monologue and it hadn't yet had the actual sort of character writing where they beefed up and actually gave the characters their individual lives and things like that. Mm. It just feels like characters sort of Turning up in an increasingly perfunctory manner and delivering plot motions. Okay, now we're going to talk about our feelings for fifteen minutes whilst we, you know, float in this whilst we skinny dip, and then we're going to do this. It just it felt very hollow. Yeah. Needed. The, the the performative stuff was there. The problem is the characters weren't.
0: Yeah. Now, interestingly, this is a movie that has been produced by. Margot Robbie and her husband, Tom no. Ackerley's uh, production company. So, you know, they're, they're the company behind like, um, I, Tonya, he's recently produced Promising Young Woman. Um, also like the other movies uh, within the kind of, this is like how they met as well, which is quite interesting. So it's, it's it, like, they make good solid movies, but they don't make movies that are necessarily groundbreaking. I think they're not at that not stature yet.
1: I think Margot Robbie starring in something like this, though, and putting her weight behind it as a producer does suggest that there was an intention that this was a prestige picture. Yeah. And that would, I think, be uh, sort of verified, I think, by a lot of the qualities of the film. Um, Put it this way. Margot Robbie gets naked in this. Yes, she does. And and she's a producer on it, which means that she actively made that decision. Margot Robbie is too big a star to be getting a kid off for anything less than a statue.
0: Yeah, but she ain't getting one.
1: Welcome back to off-screen and keeping you firmly on the couch for cinema that you don't even particularly have to even press play on. You just turn the channel over at the right time. If you time it just right, you hit the start of the movie. We call it Freeview. So, movies on Freeview this week, Miss Perfect. Oh, this one takes me back, actually, with you. Um, to our very first Oscar night together
0: yes in,
1: I think 2018 was that 2018 I think
0: I think the Oscar night was twenty eighteen, but this particular movie came out in twenty seventeen. I it think it was the
1: Christmas season, wasn't it? it, was, yes. it was around the Christmas season. Yeah. So it's *The Shape of Water*, which is on Channel Four uh, Saturday night nine thirty pm, uh, which is of course the, the this, this rooted in the classic Universal Monsters style movie from uh, Guillermo del Toro uh, that he's written, he's directed, and he won uh, a couple low key awards for. I think just a couple. Nothing, nothing huge. Nothing, nothing. huge. Nothing.
0: No, just a little Just a little. best picture.
1: <laughs> One of them BPs that goes around, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it is this this grand, romantic, gothic uh, horror drama starring Doug Jones as effectively the creature from the Black Lagoon who is being experimented on in a Cold War-era US government lab and falls in love with uh, a mute janitor. Can you look at this... Look... Some of the best mines in the country peeing all over the floor in this here facility. Mm, mm, mm. That's pee, Freckles, on the ceiling now. How'd they get it up there? Just how big a target do they need to pick it? They get enough practice, that's for sure. My Brewster, no one's ever called him a great mind, but even he... Manages to hit the can 7% of the time. Excuse us, sir. No, no, no. That's
0: all right. Go ahead. You ladies seem to be chatting enjoyably. Girl talk. No doubt. Don't mind me. Oh, I could listen to Octavia Spencer all day long. I just love her oh, voice. I know. <laughs> she's so brilliant. I,
1: she's so great. She's, the joy that's in her voice. Yeah, actually, the natural joy to her voice that just fills me with delight.
0: Exactly. Now, I loved this movie. I really did. I think for everything that it encompasses as a whole, it was a worthy winner of the best picture. But. I do have to say there were so many eye rolls when this won from people because they were like, like it's like, I don't know what I can't remember what else was out that year that people wanted to win over Shape of Water, but like lots of people hadn't really seen it in the UK and, you know, it wasn't really that big, uh, that big kind of movie that everyone had rushed to the cinema to see. It wasn't
1: the show, no, it wasn't that, there was the following year was the Moonlight La La Land.
0: Yeah, that was, yeah, it was a whole different debacle, but... I just think it was one of those films that I think critics like ourselves loved it, appreciated it. The masses who kind of go, What was the big Oscar winner? would be like, And what? What was it called? Who is it? What? And it's not, you know, and that's the problem.
1: This is, when, when we first got involved, this is the first movie, one of the first movies I ever got Miriam to watch, um, despite having watched Next to Nothing for a decade. And uh, she loved it. This and Book Smart, evidently. She. Uh, <laughs> really loved so uh, clearly one of a fine taste as we've established um i think this is a tremendous film i think mm. the love and adulation it shows for the classic universal monsters era in particular i think and and 50s b movies uh you know relevant kind of things that would have been the b movies at the time the film is set i think are absolutely tremendous but uh, i do agree with you there is um an element with the, with The Shape of Water being the best picture winner that it's giving it to an outright you know fantasy horror film, mm. and the Academy has always kind of shied away from that. Even uh, Silence of the Lambs, mm. which as like Fred Wilson has said on many an occasion, um, is a horror movie, yeah. and that one best picture and they had to kind of dress it up as a thriller instead. That was how they always package The Silence of the Lambs as a thriller rather than a horror movie for this reason of, uh, you know, saving face for the Academy. Um, I think The Shape of Water, though, needs to be regarded as a sort of horror romance. Which yes. Is I think it's tremendous. I think Doug Jones should have been nominated for an Academy Award for his performance because mm-hmm. he's a very, very underrated performer. He's currently on Star Trek Discovery now, um, and I actually want to watch this again. I think it's a genuinely brilliant film.
0: Yeah, but I do think it is for a specific audience: those who may have grown up watching like the black and white B movies, like Creature of the Black Lagoon, the, the, the thing that it, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's, yeah, you know, it's of that genre and that nostalgia that will come flooding back watching this on a more modern setting. Anyway, that is available for you guys to enjoy and watch at your leisure on Saturday at 9.30 p.m. on Channel 4. Um, And uh, moving this, you couldn't get more different. Um, From the beauty of The Shape of Water to the... the, And and actually, I have to say, and from the mind-boggling effects of The Shape of Water through to Well, don't shake your head at me <laughs> to something that isn't as mind-boggling although it does desperately try to be it is channel 5 9 p.m on sunday
1: Geostorm. I mean, you're talking you're dissing this film for a fact. Have you seen Gerard Butler's face in this movie? This is the one where he's That's injecting the talking a about. pollen. <laughs> yeah, the one where he's injecting the, the bee pollen in there and, uh, and, and then they had to do so many reshoots and his face had entirely changed by the time they did the reshoots like two years later. By the time they got this thing out, it had been finished for about three years. They dumped half of it, reshot it edited out their female lead, cast another female lead, and then somehow still managed to actually put out a movie in which Gerard Butler is a satellite engineer who's apparently single-handedly saved the world from the climate apocalypse at one point, and he's now the only man who can go into space to an actual inter- a version of the International Space Station that controls all these weather control satellites he's used to save the world, and save us from a terrorist thro- uh, terrorist plot to kill us all with weather, whilst they also happen to assassinate the president. Uh, okay? something wrong with Dutch boy. No, there isn't. Well, an entire village of dead Afghans may
0: disagree with you. And then yesterday,
1: an airlock just just opened by itself. We lost one of our crew. Dutch boy is not my problem anymore. That I am calling on. Because other than your daughter and your precious soccer club, Dutch boy was all you ever gave a damn about. Oh yeah, once. Yeah, but you took care of that. You don't care. No. Well then, what are you doing living out here? Hmm.
0: I will watch anything with Gerard Butler in because it makes me smile. <laughs> so oh,
1: sorry, that was that was the bit I, I sort of clipped myself off on that ran. All the uh, yeah, all the all the satellites are actually named after Gerard Butler movies. Brilliant. Uh, so the, the killer satellites have names like Rock and Roller and Re- um, I think not Revolver, there's, there's, there's a bunch of them. But the Rock and Roller one I remember uh, sticking out because it gets destroyed and you start thinking that's kind of what deserves to happen yeah. to the, the Rock and Roller. <laughs> Um, I think the film is aware that it's really, really goofy, sub roland Emmerich garbage. Yeah. I mean, directed by Dean Devlin. This was meant to be Dean Devlin's directorial debut, having been the producer and writer on all the Emmerich movies like Independence Day, Stargate, Universal Soldier, Day After Tomorrow, uh, 2012, you know, movies like that. And this was meant to be him striking out on his own, and it went abysmally wrong. I think the film is enjoyable on a really schlock level. It knows it's schlock.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and that, this is what I love about it. It's so bad it's good. Um that's what what works for me with this and what i <laughs> I just
1: say if you're the kind of person that got past the that got stopped by the line wait 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 wait. Gerald Butler is a satellite engineer. These words don't make sense. If you got stopped at that hurdle, then obviously it's not for you, is it? It's, it's, yeah. And if you get past that hurdle at all, you are firmly in schlock territory.
0: Yeah. I mean, this goes into the, um, you know, like London is calling kind of thing, where, or London has fallen, even not calling, uh, London's fallen territory, where when Gerard Butler delivers a line that he knows is schmaltzy and ridiculous, he has a twinkle in his eye. And it is, yeah. it is that film. And that is why I will always love watching silly gerard butler movies because this is a man who knows how to make his money doing the things that he knows is ridiculous and he doesn't care he's not out after an oscar anytime soon (laughs) i don't think he'll ever get one but he's like you know what i'm gonna have a damn good time whilst i'm at it and i think you guys can too so that is geostorm channel 5 sunday 9 p.m uh just something to just ease in the monday blues i think is by watching that (laughs) here we go what have we got coming up next?
1: So on Monday, uh, this is something a bit more uh, light and gentle, but with a bit of wit and and uh, cerbic sharpness uh, to to kick off the week at the same time. So the Lady in the Van is showing on BBC Four Monday night at nine pm. So this is an adaptation of Alex ben- Alex Bennett's uh, is it his memoir and a play?
0: Yes, I think so. Alan Um,
1: Bennett. Alan Bennett, yeah. uh, Yeah. Did I say Alan Bennett?
0: You said Alex Bennett.
1: (laughs) Alex Bennett. Sorry, no, it's because Alex Jennings plays Alan Bennett. Yes. So I get the two interchanged. I don't confuse Maggie Smith, though, who, of course, plays the lady in the van, who he allows to live in a van on his driveway for reasons of her personal safety and the local council, etc. So this is apparently something that really happened to Alan Bennett and is about his relationship with... Well, it's Maggie Smith playing her, so it goes without saying that she's the ultimate curmudgeon. What the van in your drive? That never occurred to me. I don't know, I don't know. It might, it might not be convenient. No, I've thought it over. Believe me, Miss Shepherd, it, it's all right. Just till you sort yourself out. We're not convenient for you. Convenient for me. You're not doing me a favour, you know. I have got other fish to fry. A man on the pavement told me if I went south of the river, I'd be welcomed with open arms.
0: Do you know what the cast in this is just worth your time? Apart from one person, oh, yeah. but as you, Maggie Smith, as you mentioned, uh, um, Alex Jennings as well, Frances uh, Jim Broadbent as well. Sadly, it does include James Corden again. He plays a street oh. plays a street trader in this. It's like go and just carry on no. with your talk shows. Leave us alone, um, and um, you know, for me, I think uh, again, like with for very different reasons, but like with Gerard Butler, I'll watch anything that Maggie Smith's in because she is mm. just phenomenal in everything that she does. And you're right, the curmudgeon of this—it's yeah. it, it's lovely, it's delightful, very British.
1: Do, and the best part is, my uh, my childhood next door neighbour is in this movie. Really? Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's Let's just say he's a man in a black suit towards the end of the film. That's all I'll say. Um, so I, and I did check the credits, and he is listed as smiling in search of title here, um, which is uh, a great role to have. I got to come out the screening and, and text her. It was fun. But uh, no, I really like the, uh, the Lady in the Van. I think, it's, I think it's a really sweet movie. I think Maggie Smith plays it to absolute perfection. And I like uh, Alex Jennings as uh, Alan Bennett, yeah. Uh, which I think you, uh, I think it's just the right amount of impersonation because you can't not do the voice to an extent with, uh, with Alan Bennett yeah, and, and the, of the, the composure. And I think there's, there's just enough impersonation to it that he's still believable as an you know, natural, original character, as an actual oh. person. Who he takes. Uh, so I would definitely check that out. So BBC4, Monday night, 9pm, uh, The Lady in the Van with Maggie Smith. Start your week in style. And now it's time for a segment we like to call "Off Screen Pays the Bills." Hi, Bex. Oh, hi,
0: Van. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I am just in one of those moods when you know when you have something really great to eat, it just hmm. puts you in a really good mood for the day.
1: Alas, I, I only had an omelette for breakfast. I tell you, speaking of eating right, I'll tell you who's been having a great time it is the love of my life is uh, is currently enjoying a green chef. Uh, oh She's been enjoying that. So uh, she's based in the U.S., obviously mm-hmm. I'm based here, currently kept apart. So I wasn't allowed to try this. She she got to try it, not me. <laughs> Lucky um, lady. So I have, exactly. I have her uh, her culinary grade to go off of, and I can tell you she is very discerning. So Green Chef is oh. a USDA-certified uh, uh, organic company. And then the whole premise is to make eating sort of easy and affordable with uh, plans for every kind of lifestyle. So the different tiers and things. So what you do is you go on, you create an account with them and they let you choose from this uh, this Selection of easy to follow recipe stuff. It's, it's basically a, a, a cardboard box that comes with individual meal packs in, like the ingredients, and based exactly on the recipe that's in the car So the instructions are like step by step. They have photos and, and things like that, and uh, you can try new things every week. You can alter your uh, meal plans. You can try different things when you decide you're tired of, for instance, cauliflower, which I definitely am after the past month. I've had so much cauliflower <laughs> oh, never, never again for me, please. But, uh, but, however. One of the things that Miriam got to try was she got to try this uh, Caribbean cauliflower bowl. Ooh, which even I, given how sick I am of cauliflower, I was desperate to try. Yeah. Uh, also a uh, portobello steak salad. I hate mushrooms, but I want that in me. That sounds, and looks incredible. That was the other thing.
0: I'm salivating.
1: (laughs) Apparently, it didn't take her very long to make the recipes. Took her like 15 minutes at most to make most of these recipes she had. But they even looked exactly like they were in the picture, which is a big thing for me because I'm very shallow.
0: Yeah, Um, I'm with you. And do you know yeah. what? I'm not a great chef. I don't enjoy cooking that much. But when it's simple, it's laid out for me. I know what I'm going to get, and I know what I'm going to make, and it's going to look good. Even I can impress myself with that.
1: Exactly. So all the all the ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, sort of prepped for you already. Um, it's a completely sustainable uh, meal kit as well. So it's uh, it offsets like 100 percent of its carbon emissions with every box or or, or the or the equivalent. It's so it's uh, you know it, it's it's convenient. Nice. It's relatively priced and it is also quite environmentally conscious which I approve of wholeheartedly. And the best of the best bit of all is uh, you can get $80 off in the US uh, simply by going to slash offscreen 80 That's offscreen80 eight and use the code offscreen80 to get $80 off including free shipping.
0: Welcome back to Offscreen. Now, this is the segment of the show where we are keeping you on the couch. So if you do not want to go to the cinema, do not fret because we have got you 100% sorted. But if you were planning a night out, this next movie, I would say, will keep you on the couch, but give you all of the FOMO that you need to know what, what life used to be like in yesteryear when you're not supposed to go out, but you do. Um, this is A Royal Night Out, which is on Channel 5, 11... 11- 11.10pm in fact on Tuesday which is a bit late for something like this Um, but it is the story of um, two teenage princesses of whom you might recognise called Elizabeth and Margaret um, who sneak out of their palace to spend a wild evening in London as Europe celebrates VE Day We're going out incognito
1: Does the tiara rather give the game away
0: Yes Mickey? <gasps> what a do
1: and what beauty. I thought Trafalgar Square was wearing this special napkin. Then the cousin
0: going on to that window night which Chelsea Barracks. Whatever you want.
1: Tonight we're in charge. Emma, well, don't you look lovely? Well, oh, uh, Captain Price and Lieutenant Burridge from the guards at Chelsea Barracks will be your chaperones. Chaperones? Yep, never really thought I'd be this much of a fan about a movie that literally centres around the idea of the Queen going out on the lash. But uh, <laughs> that is effectively what this movie is about. Um, the big success of the film, I mean, first of all, it's got tremendous cast. Um, Rupert Everett plays the King. Mm. You know, the King from the King's Speech He's yep. Rupert Everett in this version. Uh, Emily Watson is, uh, you know, Queen Mum. And then, as the uh, the young uh, the young princesses, first of all, you've got Sarah Gadon as uh, Elizabeth, and she's kind of she's arguably the lead. It's arguably her movie. And yeah. It's mainly about her having this romance with Jack Reynor, who's like a, a fighter pilot that she meets all the way on the night. And uh, but but the the breakout star and the selling point, of the whole movie for me is Bell Powley. yeah, as, uh, Margaret. And obviously, we've both uh, been fans of uh, the morning the morning
0: show, show. yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: which, in which she plays a really good role as well but Belle Powell is great in everything I remember uh, the King of Staten Island uh, earlier this summer yeah uh, she was very good in that I thought but uh, tremendous uh, tremendous in this she makes a, a hell of a comedic impression she is an absolute scene stealer and playing and she plays it really broadly as well but it's still believable. Um, I think she's absolutely the reason to see it is Belle Powley. yeah
0: but I I love the concept of this like we don't know if this actually happened or not do we We, we're (laughs) not sure I
1: I doubt it but
0: Ah, I'd like to dream that you know the the Queenie I
1: uh... don't think think Queenie's ever been out on the slosh you know what I mean oh come on um don't you watch the crown
0: uh, <laughs> actually she's never on the slosh in the Crown. she's so she's such the stiff upper lip doesn't on she, that
1: does she make her own gin now or something Queen isn't that a thing oh my god i love her more if she does i've no idea I she think she's making her own gin i remember like seeing a headline about it or something
0: really i'm not sure look this is firmly on my watch list for this week because i i haven't seen this but i am so intrigued by it and I love the idea of just thinking I know what goes on in the royal family. It's why I love the crown so much and I just think I would love to think that this was true. Um, and it just gives another sort of dimension to the royal family, which is obviously a monarchy that is loved all over the world. So, you know, there's it particularly I think this film particularly did well in like in Asia, like in Japan and in China and stuff. So, um, yeah, let's 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 say I, I, I'm going to go and watch this one. So it's on late. I'm going to press record on it. Tuesday, Channel 5, 11, 10 pm. Uh, a royal night out, definitely one to watch if you're just intrigued by the royal family in general. Now, moving on to Wednesday, we're going to keep it royal.
1: <laughs> mm. And you did we're going from the from the daughters to the dad now. That's yeah, we're done. We're going back back in time through their father, effectively.
0: Yes, and we're also going back in time in terms of when these movies were made. So from 2015 on a Royal Night Out back to, can't believe this is 10 years old already, The King's Speech, mm. 2010. Now this is playing on BBC Two. Of course it's on BBC Two at 9pm on a Wednesday night. Um, this is the movie that gave Colin Firth his Oscar. Um, so he plays George VI, who um, tries to overcome his stammering problem with the help of his speech therapist, played by the brilliant Geoffrey Rush. who plays Lionel Logue and basically makes himself the king that we need to lead the country through World War II.
1: Why do you stammer so much more with David than you ever do with me? Because you're bloody well paid to listen. Bertie, I'm not a geisha girl. Stop trying to be so bloody clever. What is it about David that stops you speaking? What is it about you that bloody well makes you want to go on about it in the whole bloody time? Vulgar but fluent. You don't stammer when you swear. No, bugger off. Is that the best you can do? Well, bloody... Bagger to you, you beastly t- oh, A public school prig could do better than that. I love this movie so much, mm-hmm. and I think the, the thing that always surprised me when it uh, when it came out, and people were talking about it, was I don't think anyone was really talking about how hilarious it was. Like it was funny. Yeah. It was a serious film, but it wasn't afraid to have a laugh. And it had quite a few. There was far more in the way of comedic material in there than uh, I would have expected for how it was built up and how it was marketed. Um, I think it's a very charming film uh, for Colin Firth and Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Rush, though. Uh, I'm trying to remember who plays uh, Edward in this version.
0: Edward? Uh, good question. That is a is good it Guy Pearce?
1: Is it Guy Pearce in this one?
0: Yes, Edward's the Duke
1: of Windsor, right? I think so. I don't know my royals. I I know. The crown.
0: Well, I think I think it is Guy Pearce in this. Um, I
1: remember if this is the Guy Pearce one. I remember Guy Pearce is really good in it as uh, as Edward.
0: Yeah, I think that is. And you know what, Helena Bottom Carter? She's the Queen Mum in, she? in this, isn't she? She's
1: great in this, isn't she? Yeah. Really well yeah,
0: she's brilliant. Um, we've also got Derek Jacoby in there. I think. Oh, great. Derek Jacoby. Yeah, brilliant. Michael Gamble. I mean, Timothy Spall. You know, you are looking left, right, and centre at every single great thespian from this little island that we
1: live on and they're not even in particularly huge roles some of them are in quite minor roles but it's just that good a movie Um, let's move on then to I say you can see that uh, uh, Wednesday night BBC 2 9pm so from the daughters on Tuesday night uh, down up to the dad on uh, Wednesday night for your royal pickings for this week Uh, keeping it uh, London based in the meanwhile though uh, Thursday night 5 star 9pm we've talked about this many a time our love for the franchise is known far and wide let's talk about London has fallen
0: oh my goodness i mean i said it before i could watch joe r butler all day but especially when he plays mike the secret service agent who's got to find a way to escape with his team when a terrorist attacks all the world leaders in attending the funeral of the british prime minister
1: there was no chatter on this none something of this magnitude it took years to plan and we had days it's a bloodbath how did they do this, Mike? They only have to get it right once.
0: Today they got it right way more than that.
1: This is the movie that elicits a genuine, you know, rapturous laughter at the press show when, um, first of all, they announced that the new Prime Minister was named Prime Minister Clarkson. Yeah. everybody chuckled and then there was a bit in which the newsreader says all of London's known landmarks have been destroyed and it's the use of the word known in there. <laughs> it just, it just boggles it just baffles the mind like all the all, all the known landmarks I mean you
0: know everyone is taking the mick with this movie and it's yeah. so brilliant for it um, it's just I love it I love this franchise as you say just so so much
1: I just I just cannot wrap my head around. Because first of all, the movie's filmed in, like, Bulgaria. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems they've had to dress up like city streets on Bulgaria with, like, with branches of Pret. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the most <laughs> bizarre thing. Like, someone's had to go over to Bulgaria with Greg's signage and put it over a you know, <laughs> local store. Like, oh, my God, poor Bulgaria. And But then it's the fact that you've got Scottish actor Gerard Butler going to America to sign a contract to play an American Secret Service agent to fly to Bulgaria to film in London. Say what now? (laughs) It's mind-blowing. It's exactly as much dumb, hilariously lantern-jawed fun as you'd expect. Um, It is, for my money, the best of the trilogy. It is very much the Dark Knight of this franchise.
0: Is it the first, what's the first, it's Olympus Has Fallen is the first one, isn't it?
1: Olympus, it's Olympus, uh, London, Angel. I don't know what the next one's called. As, as, as yet.
0: There's going to be a next one?
1: Do you know, oh, sorry, if, I, because I've been doing all the film news stuff, obviously, recently. Um, uh, yes, we're getting like a new trilogy. Oh my feature, God. But look, they're doing more so Mike Banning Mike Banning's going to end this series as president I'm telling this, you now, he's going to end it as president
0: this has made my Christmas this is amazing um, so oh, there we
1: go you <laughs> say Christmas you've you just brilliantly segued us into uh, into our final movie
0: yeah I have because you know what? I, I think this is a lot this is on a lot of people's top Lists for Christmas movies. Um, It is. Now, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is hopelessly romantic. Came out in 2006. It is forever the house swap movie that works, Um, and it is called The Holiday. So it's about two ladies from two different countries who swap homes for the holidays to get away from their relationship issues, but their lives change very unexpectedly when they meet and fall in love with two of the locals.
1: Hi, sorry, that was Amanda. How'd she sound? How's she doing? She just asked me how you are. And what did you say?
0: I asked her to hold. Can I call you back?
1: I can hold while you speak to her. Really? Find out how she is. Okay. Uh, my brother wants to know how you are. Can you tell him that I'm good and that I'm just taking Charlie for a walk in the village?
0: Um, what's he been up to, did he say? I'm not sure. Do you want me to ask him?
1: Uh, sure. Okay. Hold, please.
0: I can't believe that you have had sex with the woman staying in my house. <gasps> he told you that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I thought I was talking to Graham. Could you just hold, please? I'm terribly sorry. I think I, every woman who ever watched this movie, it's like despite what goes on in his personal life, God, you fall in love with Jude Law in this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> According to the women in my family, yes. Apparently, Jude Law in *The Holiday* is is kind of the uh, the idealised. Uh... Up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, he's so dreamy in this, and so nice as well. Oh my God, I love it. Stop, stop oh, me he's, now.
1: <laughs> he's the because he's the perfect Christmas dreamboat, isn't he? With his sort of wispy, curlyish hair and his nice thick jumpers, and his uh, you know he's 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 nicely widowed, so he's not inherently a bad guy who had to end his marriage or anything like that. His his wife died, so he gets the guilt factor. Yeah. He gets, the, he gets those widow creds.
0: He does. He's definitely, not, he's definitely not the Jude Law that's like slept with the nanny and cheated on Diana no, no. Miller. Like, no, we forgive all of that for this. But you know <laughs> what? There's, there's something for everyone here because you've got Jude Law, you've got Cameron Diaz as well, you've got Kate Winslet as well and of course Jack Black in this and Eli Wallach as well, which I just yeah. think, oh, I love that whole relationship around it. that moment where Kate Winslet goes into his house and spies the Oscar on his shelf and she's just like, wow. This is amazing. Look, I'm, we're not going to spend too much time on this. It, Christmases are coming. It's round the corner. You need to start this off with um, a little bit of a holiday romance. Why not? It's on ITV2, 10 past 9pm on Friday. What a way to see a weekend in. Um, ladies, get your Jude fix. You're going to get sorted with this
1: one. Welcome back to Off Screen for one last ride. Uh, we're going to take you through the uh, perilous uh, shop aisles that used to be of DVD and Blu-ray. God, I miss video stores, and onto the newfangled platforms known as streaming. So, on DVD and Blu-ray, this coming Monday, the fourteenth, Miss Perfect. Let's, uh, it's all about. It's about time isn't it, for tenants to come well, on uh,
0: It is, but I, I, don't, I don't know if I've got enough time to adjust my hearing to be able to, to hear anything that goes on in this movie. It is so quiet. Um, it's the movie that was supposed to save cinemas during the coronavirus. It was Christopher Nolan's big comeback. We're all gonna flock to the IMAX and everyone's gonna see it and cinemas will be saved. Did it work?
1: How's that working out, Chris? Come yeah. on, can you hear me up. <laughs> oh,
0: this is going to do better business now it's on DVD and Blu-ray. I'm telling you that now. This is this is going to make his profit that he needs.
1: We're going to see this now than ever saw it theatrically. Was it something like 380 like worldwide? They Which... didn't they didn't release the numbers. I don't think. I think there's some estimate or something that that's where it took in globally at this stage. It's not a bad film. I think the problem with it is it feels kind of perfunctory for Christopher Nolan. It feels like there's nothing new here that he hasn't done before, Like particularly in Inception.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Like in terms of the r- rankings of Christopher Nolan movies, this isn't like up there as one of the ones that you're dashing out to see.
1: So the uh, the plot involves uh, John David Washington's unnamed protagonist. I think he's the protagonist. Yes, he's the pro- he's literally the protagonist, which is a clever method of script writing, Mr. Nolan, very clever indeed. Um, who is recruited into a uh, government agency um, about which and about their tactics he knows only one word. There's a cold war. Technology that can reverse the flow of time. Time travel. No. Inversion. I've been attacked by the future. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Maybe I lost my oh. edge. Oh. edge is still intact.
0: You don't understand it. I don't understand it. The world doesn't understand it. We all walked out with a big headache at the end of it. It's worth your time, though, to just see what the hell it is and try and work it out. Ah. Oh, you know, I enjoyed it but you're, you're right it's like mid-ranking of Christopher Nolan movies for me
1: yeah it really is so uh, let's talk about then from, from Christopher Nolan and his mid-ranking I want to know where this sits on the ranking of Robert Zemeckis it is our uh, next DVD or DVD slash Blu-ray slash digital of course as well we can't leave digital out these days uh, there's always a digital version available. when it's on home platforms uh, Roald Dahl's The Witches so
0: I'll tell you where it, is this? I'll oh. t- tell you where this is this is just rank um <laughs> This, oh. is, this is terrible. Um, anyone who is a fan, and I've just literally said to Van off air, because Van has not seen The Witches and he knows that loads of people that have seen the original have such an affiliation for it and such a passion for it. And I just said, please do not jump to watching this reboot of it before you watch the original because the original movie holds up in present day and it has such brilliant practical effects in it that will make you shudder Whereas this movie just takes the idea of, you know, digital effects and just uses it and I feel it's very lazy. And I love Robert Zemeckis. He was a genius of the day. But Anne Hathaway is impersonating Angelica Houston. Stop laughing at me. I'm ranting now. You get plenty of rants when you don't like things.
1: Um, <laughs> You're just so defensive.
0: Defensive of what? I'm accusatory here. I do not like this.
1: You're so personally affronted. Is this what I I sound like? Is that what it's like from the other side? Because I never get to experience it.
0: Yeah, it is a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I, look, genuinely, if you're going to go and take on one of my favourite children's movies, which the reason why it was one of my favourite children's movies is because it didn't talk to you like a kid. It talked to kids like adults very true. and that was the beauty of it and it chilled you and it made you shudder and it made you question every painting that you walked past as to whether or not the kid that's painted in that picture was actually stuck there by a witch. This stays with you for years. This movie goes in the bargain bin as soon as it possibly can. I hate it.
1: So The Witches is available on DVD <laughs> on the Monday, the 14th of December. Uh, get it now at participating retailers, RRP, fourteen ninety nine. Uh, so, Miss Burbank, Bo- <laughs> sorry. We're moving on. move on. on. I stuff. can't do it. I can't move do on, it. Move on to streaming and, and talk about a franchise that at one point I could have ranted very similarly about from my childhood. So on Netflix from uh, this coming Sunday, the 13th of December, uh, Bumblebee is uh, is out, which actually served as something of a uh, tonal reboot, a tonal and kind of narrative reboot, for the Transformers franchise. It's the first Transformers movie since uh, the st- series started cinematically in 2007 not to be directed by Michael Bay. This is uh, directed by Travis Knights, who gave us Kubo and the Two Strings. It's very much styled on classic Spielbergian Amblin kind of movies from the 80s. It stars Hayley Steinfeld as uh, a... Uh, sort of uh, rebellious teenage girl mechanic uh, in a sort of divorced family, family rocked by divorce, and Nat, the new overbearing mom's boyfriend type figure in her life. She's got an annoying annoying like, younger brother. She gets a scrap car, happens to be a certain yellow beetle, and discovers it is, in fact the alien robot Bumblebee, the Autobot, who is the, you know, last survivor of a devastating attack on the planet Cybertron, and it is the US military and the evil Decepticons basically descending down upon our mechanic character Charlie and her new alien friend. Get out and move away from the vehicle!
0: Stay cool, B.
1: What's going on? Hey! Come on! Come on! Stop it! Let's open
0: it! Weapons now! Take it down! Run! No, don't
1: run! Do not run! She ran.
0: I love that you mentioned Spielberg and Amblin in this mm-hmm. because I think this was the biggest surprise when i watched it was that you know one of the things that amblin does really well with its movies is that no matter what the non-human character is in it it makes you really emotive about it yes. and that's exactly what they do with bumblebee in this and i all the 80s throwbacks the feel the grading of the of the um the the film
1: visuals, yeah the
0: visuals everything is 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 tuned and it's that attention to detail that i think you know, he had to make his mark, Travis Knight, away from Michael Bay. There was a lot of expectations, and to be fair, the very first Transformers movie did exactly what we wanted it to do in terms of throwing us back to that nostalgia. And mm, this, sto- yeah, and this does it really well. Again, but in a totally different way. If you're not a massive fan of Transformers, I don't think it matters. This is a story about a girl and a robot at the end of the day.
1: It, it, it is. It's quite It's quite broad in its appeal as well, but also, it's, like I say, it serves as kind of a reboot as in you don't really need to have had to have seen anything. You kind of get the origin story with this one that you're only told about in the 2007 one, but I think it's a really good uh, really good movie. I can't wait to see uh, what sequels might come from this. I'd like to see more of Hayley Steinfeld in there as well. Yeah, she's great. Um... Uh, on to uh, the following day, Monday 14th, on Netflix. I've not seen this one. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, this got released uh, in sort of limited theatrical, I think, uh, when we were first coming out of lockdown. Mm. It's Blackwater Abyss, which is an Australian movie uh, starring, I think it's Luke Mitchell from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, who And it's uh, effectively, it's kind of a sequel, but also a standalone movie to Blackwater. It's a killer crocodile movie. <laughs> it looks quite uh, quite graphic and, and extreme. extreme, kind of thing I love, like a throwaway kind of hundred minute creature feature, but you know with like CG alligators coming after, like you know, uh, always always too stupid for their own good teenagers. Like I'm 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 on board for that. Yeah. So we can look forward to that on, on Monday on Netflix and on Prime on Amazon Prime on Tuesday the fifteenth. Not one, not two, but three. Well, I can't say they're all great sci-fi. No, I think can The first one's a great sci-fi movie. The second two exist. <laughs> so uh, the Matrix trilogy is, of course, on uh, on Amazon Prime. The Matrix trilogy, how much do you love the Matrix?
0: Oh, my God. Do you know what? I, I, I loved it so much that I went into my local blockbusters um, and asked them if I could have the Keanu Reeves cardboard stand.
1: stand Yeah.
0: I had it, yeah. yeah. It was amazing. I acted as some weird shelves that I had in my room. Um, I love this. And another little bit of trivia was that I was in Sydney, where they obviously filmed Matrix, um, when the second film came out. And I went and watched it there, having just gone past all the landmarks, like where the girl in the red dress is and all that kind of stuff. And then was thoroughly disappointed by the second movie.
1: So yeah, a lot of people, a lot of same people, were really disappointed by the second movie. I think the third slightly redeems it, but I call that Pirates of the Caribbean formula uh, for for both. Um, but yes, yeah, so the entire Matrix trilogy, in which Keanu Reeves' Neo becomes the uh, only hope for the human race in a in, in a virtual reality uh, world, effectively that allows them escape from the real world, in which the human race are nothing more than pod based batteries uh, for basically a, a race that has been born of artificial intelligence. As, uh, and, and of course, within the virtual world, they take the form of, of men in black style agents led by Hugo Weaving, as Mr. Fishburne explains.
0: We have survived
1: by hiding from them, by running from them, but they are the gatekeepers. They are guarding all the doors. They are holding all the keys, which means that sooner or later, someone is going to have to fight them. Someone. I won't lie to you, Neil. Every single man or woman who has stood their ground, everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. Why? I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and their speed are still based in a world that is built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be.
0: What are you trying to tell me, that I can dodge bullets?
1: No, Neo, I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to.
0: I'd be really interested to see how particularly the first movie holds up all these years later because I haven't watched it in a good 15 years, if not longer. So yeah, this will, I'm intrigued by this. This will be on my list for
1: sure. Well, on Netflix, then, to round out the week, on uh, Friday, the 18th, we have uh, the final film of Chadwick Boseman, mm. his last completed work. It's is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is uh, set to be a uh, very lively, uh, very lively and uh, larger-than-life chronicle of, uh, apparently, the Mother of Jazz. Oh. So, mm, yeah, it's very, very flashy, very colourful trailer. Yeah, and uh, lots of lots of red velvet in there. It's that kind of <laughs> thing. Uh, but say that's on Netflix to round out the week. And of course, next week we'll be able to talk about uh, Wonder Woman eighty four. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four is out next week. Uh, we have Come Away with uh, David Oyelowo and uh, Angelina Jolie. That's out next Ooh. week as well. And one that I'm especially looking forward to. I don't know how we'll fit it in for time reasons, but I swear we will somehow fit it in. It is Skylines. The three in Skylines is a number three. It is the third in the Skylines trilogy that was never meant to be. I can't wait because the first was crap and the second one, which I thought was a director video thing, starred Frank Grillo and it absolutely blew me away. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to the. the th-
0: oh, th- I've never th- heard th- of it.
1: Oh, well, I I, I, I I suggest we rewatch them all, but uh, no, I'm kidding. We will never ever rewatch the first one. But we shall <laughs> find out how uh, Liam Liam McDonalds uh, has uh, fared with the, uh, the the trilogy closer this time next week. So uh, yeah, it's a pretty good week. I
0: think it's a pretty good week. You know, it's not a very festive week, but you not know, very
1: festive. We-, we got the holiday in there. The Holidays. In well, there.
0: yeah, we do. Um. But yeah okay so no I like that I think my picks this week are going to be everything to do with Gerald Butler <laughs> <laughs> fair
1: enough, fair enough I think my, my pick for the week I think would be Bumblebee I think that might be Oh no, Geostorm Everyone should watch Geostorm so I think we've settled on Gerald Butler together then I
0: think. Yeah, Gerald so, Butler um, yeah. And maybe a bit of a Royal Night Out as well But listen, that is uh, another Action-packed week here At Offscreen for you We'll be back again next week With more movies Not just to keep you on the couch now We're easing out of this Back into the cinema If you dare So, uh, we'll be back with the big one, which is Wonder Woman 1984. But for now, we'll leave you with all of these goodies. Uh, My name has been Vex Perfect.
1: I've been Van Conner, and we shall return.